Clients on Demand teaches coaches, service providers, and thought leaders how to attract the right clients at the right price anytime they want. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a sustainable seven or eight figure business that changes the world and gets results for clients without sacrificing your freedom? If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. All this information is 100% free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Russ. Welcome to today's broadcast. This is going to be one of the most important shows we've ever done because today we're going to be talking about how to turn problems into opportunities and sort of just how to deal with problems and challenges in general. So this is probably the most important thing we've ever talked about on this show. So when you set massive goals for yourself, and I don't care if it's, you know, what like massive could be a massive goal for you. So I don't care if you're just trying to get your, your own business to $1,000 a day or $5,000 a day or $10,000 a day or, or whatever it might be. When you start setting massive goals for yourself, you are going to run into some serious problems and some serious challenges. And I would say that, in fact, what determines your ability to succeed is your ability to overcome and deal with those challenges without you completely melting down and falling apart. And so when you run into a big challenge like that, there's always that temptation. We always want to just run and hide and, and freak out and, uh, and, and all those things. But, uh, but what we're going to talk about today is how you can deal with those challenges in a resourceful way so that you don't completely melt down and fall apart. I'm with uh, Jane Jewell, who's our Managing Director at Clients on Demand today. Hello. <laughs> how are you guys doing? Let's see who's here today. Guys, if you're with us today, just pop a comment in the box. Monica's here. Julian's here. Kathy's here. Roderick's here. We got a good crew here today. So um, yeah, so so this is a big one. And I think that if if there's one thing that we've we've gotten pretty, pretty good at here at COD, it's it's our ability to do this and our ability to empower our clients to do this as well. Because the truth is you just never know what's gonna happen. You you could have anything from, you know, client wanting a refund or you know, your Facebook account gets gets suspended or or you know, you launch something, you launch a webinar, whatever it might be, and it doesn't convert, it doesn't do what you want it to do. Um, so you've got to be able to overcome these things. You got to be able to overcome them in the moment. And that's the key so that you don't waste a lot of time like wallowing in misery and wallowing in mm -hmm. self pity before you finally get resourceful and, uh, and do something about it. So let's see who else is here. So Christy's here. Carrie's here. Sharice uh, is here. Christy says you look great, Jane. Oh, good. <laughs> Leah's here. Ted's here. <laughs> Remy's here. Darren's here. Rachel, William. All right, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's just talk a little bit about why it's important to expect challenges first and foremost, right? So many people think that I used to think for a really long time that, that if I was doing everything right, if I was doing everything right mentally, if I was doing everything right emotionally, that it meant that everything was going to be smooth sailing all the time. And that if I was having problems, it meant that I was really dropping the ball someplace. But mm -hmm. I don't really believe that anymore. Because the truth is that the bigger the goal you set, the bigger the challenges you're going to have to overcome in order to get there. And that's a big, big lesson that I've learned. And so if you, if you are looking at every problem and every challenge as this, as this like signal that you're completely on the wrong path, you know, that, that, that if you were doing everything right, then you were kind of, I don't know, following the law of attraction or whatever, that everything would be smooth sailing all the time. That is just not true. I can promise you that's not the case. Yeah, it's, I think we talked about this last week is that if you feel that if there is a challenge, something's wrong here, or it shouldn't be here, then you're going to fall into a big trap. 
So the key, guys, is to expect challenges. If you if you set the goal for yourself that you want to be heavyweight champion of the world, you're going to get punched in the face a lot. It's just part of it. So the same thing goes with your with your business. And and this is why we always tell our clients, look, we can make things as simple as possible for you, meaning we can eliminate a lot of wasted effort. You can we can we can we can shorten the learning curve. When you come to work with us, we can we can you know help you do some things that'll really make a huge difference, like raise your prices considerably, get your marketing dialed in, and all that stuff. And so we can simplify the process of you getting where you want to go, but we can make it simple, but nobody can make it easy. It's never going to be easy. Anytime you want to do anything extraordinary, I don't care what it is or what field it might be in. I don't even care how talented you are. It's never, ever going to be easy. So you need to prepare for that going in. What that means is you're going to hit challenges along the way. So what we wanted to do today is come on and give you some really solid resources for how to deal with them. In, in, in a resourceful manner so that you can get through them and learn the lesson that you're supposed to learn along the way. Yeah, I think that's really important. Oftentimes we tell our Millionaire Alliance clients, it's your problems don't go away. Like when you have a business that does $100,000 a year, you have problems that equal, you know, $100,000 a year business. When you have a business that does a million dollars a year, you have problems that are just as big as having a million dollar a year business. So I think a big part of that is just getting, I don't want to say welcome your problems because nobody really wants problems. But if you start to see them more as challenges or you start to see them as, you know, this is just what it takes when you're growing, you know, birds fly, fish swim and owning a business, being an entrepreneur, you're going to have some problems and challenges to overcome as you're growing. That's right. Yeah. Greg in the chat is asking, why is it not easy if it's already been done already? Because you haven't done it already, my friend. And the challenges that you run into are going to be some challenges that that are unique to you and some challenges that aren't. I mean, you're going to run into anything from self-sabotage to, you know, your wife or your husband telling you that that, you know, they don't believe in you. And and and, and you just you never know what's going to happen. You can get sick. You can you can suddenly like your 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 Internet can die. I mean, all these things can happen. You just you never know. So what you need to do is build mental resourcefulness and mental power mm-hmm. that's going to be with you no matter what happens because you can't anticipate everything. Now, look, it's true that when you work with a company like Clients on a Man, we've helped so many clients execute a, a, a really fantastic business model that we've pretty much seen everything already. And when it comes up, we know how to deal with it. That doesn't mean it's not going to hit you really, really hard when it happens. You know, I mean, so like, let's take Facebook as an example. It's, it's been, it's happened before that we'll have a client that violates, let's say, Facebook's terms of service, right? And when we tell them not to do it, we tell them how to do it right. But sometimes the client won't listen to us or they'll make a mistake or whatever. And Facebook mm-hmm. will shut down their ads account. Now, when that happens, we know how to deal with it. You know, we know how to overcome it. We know how to reach out to Facebook. We know how to do these things. But it doesn't mean it's not going to be really emotionally difficult for you when it happens. You know, you could freak out when it happens. So we do everything we can to prevent that to make it smooth sailing. We tell you what to do and what not to do, but still people make mistakes and sometimes things happen. So that's the value of having that mental armor and that mental resourcefulness in place because when stuff happens, it's unexpected. You have to be able to deal with it and keep pushing forward and keep, you know, keep kicking ass in your business and in your life. So the first principle that we talk about all the time is is something that 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 I hear talk about um, by a fellow named Jocko Willink. He, he and his mm. friend Leif Babin are, are, are ex-Navy SEALs. And they wrote this book called Extreme Ownership. And I read this book. It's a fantastic book talking about the lessons that they learn on the battlefield and how you can relate those lessons to your business and to your life. 
And the book is called Extreme Ownership. And so one of the biggest principles that we, we talk about at Clients on Demand all the time is to take extreme ownership. So what that means is that when a problem happens, you really have two separate ways of dealing with it. Number one, you can take responsibility. Or number two, you can blame someone else. Now, I don't care what that problem is. It is always healthier to take responsibility as if you, as if you are the cause of that problem. Because in some way, shape, or form, you are. So like, look at me as the, as the, as the head of the company, the CEO of the company. It doesn't really matter if somebody further down uh, the chain of command makes a mistake. I, you know, I either hired that person or I was instrumental in hiring that person. I either trained that person myself or I hired the people who trained that person. So if that person drops the ball and that person makes a mistake, it still comes back to me. And so we've internalized this principle at Clients on Demand where if something goes wrong, all of us immediately, instead of trying to say, oh, it's Mark's fault or it's Jane's fault or it's Adrian's fault or whomever's fault it is, we all immediately take responsibility for whatever we did or didn't do to, to contribute to that problem. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that puts us in this frame of mind now where we have the wherewithal to deal with it and to fix it. Because if you're blaming someone else, that means you can't do anything. It takes It actually takes away your own power. Now, it feels cozy. It feels good to be there because now all of a sudden, oh, it's not my fault. I'm good. I don't have to fix anything. I don't have to change anything. But it also takes away your power because it means you're just sitting there like a fool waiting for someone else to fix the problem. And that's never a good stance to be in. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's one of the worst feelings you can have when you're just kind of sitting there waiting for someone else to come along and fix something that's not working. Mm -hmm. I think it's important too to when we say uh, – we look at our responsibility in it and it's, but what it's not is it's not like, Oh, I messed up. That was awful. And get mad at yourself and like go into a disempowering state. I think the key to what you said is it's actually really empowering to look at that and go, Oh goodness. You know, how could I have done that differently? Or what do I need to own here? What do I, you know, so it kind of, it, it feels really resourceful just to say, you know what, I'm it, you know, th this was my decision. This is, you know, this is why I did this and this is what I learned from it. Cause otherwise you're just kind of, I don't know. It's like, if you ever deny kind of responsibility in something, there just feels, it just feels so unpowerful. Like you get to claim back your power when you look at something and go, okay, I did that. I made that happen. And and I'm going to own that from a resourceful place of what can we do to mitigate any kind of consequence? And what can we do differently next time? Well, so like, look at it. Like there's, there's, two, there's two separate situations, right? So let's just say that you haven't adopted this value of extreme ownership and something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. When that thing goes wrong, if you haven't adopted this value of extreme ownership, you're going to immediately spend a lot of time shifting the blame around. Mm -hmm. And so you've got you and you're trying to shift the blame onto someone else. Everyone else on your team is trying to shift the blame on you or on someone else. And so you're spending this, 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 you're wasting time and energy just, just shifting the blame around to see like whose fault it actually is. But if you, if you accept this idea of extreme ownership, then you don't spend any time shifting the blame around. Every single person asks themselves immediately, how did I contribute to this problem and what can I do to fix it? And so once you've shifted the blame around, right, and, and you're doing it the wrong way, you find out the one person whose fault it is. Okay, fine. So now it's Dave's fault. Great. Dave fixed this problem. So now you have one person working on the problem. But with extreme ownership, you don't waste any time or energy shifting the blame around. Everyone takes responsibility. And now it's everyone's problem and everyone's energy is going toward fixing it. And, mm -hmm. and so that's just a much, you have a lot more mental and intellectual horsepower going into fixing the problem with extreme ownership and you have a lot less wasted time 
So even just looking at it from that perspective, it's just, you're just going to get through things much faster. So guys, like actually, that's a great, that's a really good thing to point out is that all of this stuff that we're teaching you, it's not going to really help you avoid the problems. And so if you're doing things right, sure, of course, you're going to run into fewer problems than if you're not, you know, and if you're being conscientious and you're paying attention and you're doing a good job, of course, you're going to have fewer problems. But what we're talking about today is how you can deal with the problems that are going to come up, even if you're basically doing everything right, even if you're basically doing a good job. So when those problems come up, the goal is just to process it and get through it and fix it as fast as you can so that you don't you don't have a lot of downtime where you're just stuck dealing with this problem. So you can see where if you're applying extreme ownership right away, you're not wasting any energy shifting the blame around and you're immediately, everyone is taking responsibility and then going to work to fix the problem. So you get through that problem much, much, much faster than if you waste all this time sort of bickering, trying to figure out who dropped the ball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you That's laughing about? Because it's funny spending all this time bickering. It just it, it makes me giggle because it's just not at all what we do. No, but um, I've seen I mean, I've I've definitely worked places where <laughs> that's mm -hmm. that's how it yeah. was. I mean, there's yeah. just a lot of that going around. And, and you know, it's almost like what's that saying that a um, success has a like failure is an orphan, but success has a thousand fathers or something. Like, I'm totally screwing up this proverb, but something like that. <laughs> Basically, the idea is when things are going right. Everybody tries to take credit when things are going wrong. Nobody wants to take the blame. And <laughs> that's just not the way we work here. The, the right the right way to work is that when things are going wrong, you actually step up and own it. And then when things are going right, then you've earned the right to take credit when things are going right. Because whatever problems you ran into along the way, everyone on the team contributed to fixing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love to that once you have this and you have a team and that becomes the culture, it's interesting on how many people, like you're saying, they do step up. Like we'll have, you know, three people step up and claim responsibility for the same mistake. And the truth is it's always, a, you know, it, it often isn't just one person, you know, or whether it's a mistake or even just, I don't know, things just do happen, you know, whether some, uh, a team member isn't pulling their weight or, um, maybe somebody leaves or like you're saying, your Facebook ads get shut down. But it's really amazing when you create this kind of culture is everyone just it's like gathers around the problem in a resourceful way to look for solutions. I just want to make it clear to everybody listening that it's never my fault, by the way. I'm just saying, I mean, yes, I'll take oh. ownership of it. But we all know, like just on the down low. That it's, it's never mine. my fault. It's usually Jane's fault, but it's, it's never my fault. It's usually mine. Yeah. yeah. It's usually Jane's yeah. fault. Usually that means Jane's. all the success is mine too. No, I don't think it works that <laughs> way. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so we talked, about, okay, so we talked about extreme ownership and then obviously that goes hand in hand, but don't play the blame game. Um, you know, you, you want to just immediately take take ownership of, 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 of what happened. So, so let's talk about then when, when this challenge comes up, what do you do? The first thing you do is you take extreme ownership and then you need to identify what needs to change. So right out of the gate, once you've said, all right, I am I contributed to this problem in some way, and you accept that it's your job to do something about it, it's your job to fix it, then you need to identify what it is that's not working. And this can be tricky because doing this doesn't feel good. It usually doesn't. So like, let's just say, for example, that 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 all of a sudden your sales are down. All right. Now you got to look at why that's happening. Is there a problem with your lead flow? Is there a problem with your advertising? Is, it, is there a problem with something that's happening maybe on your enrollment conversations? Are you targeting the wrong people? What's going on? And so what you need to do at that point is a deep dive into the data 
to see what's going on. Now, first of all, you've got to have enough expertise just to interpret the data in the first place. And this is the big challenge that we see a lot of people have where yeah. they can look at their stats for their funnel and all they know is their funnel isn't working. And so they have no idea how to even identify the problem. They can't even figure out what's, what's not working, right? But let's just say that you're working with clients on demand and we see these kinds of things all the time. We work with these people, these kinds of funnels all the time. We can do that deep dive to figure out what's not working. Now, doing that doesn't feel good because you're, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like going to the doctor. It's like, it's like doing your taxes. It's like, oh my God. Did I really spend this much? You know, is my webinar really converting at this rate? And, and what it does is it forces you to take a look at what's really going on because all of us can tell ourselves stories about what's working. Well, my, you know, my lead flow could be better. All right. My sales conversations could be better. Oh, I could be enrolling more people. But when you really look at the data, you realize it's way worse than you thought sometimes. But you've got to have the courage to do that. You know, it blows my mind when I watch shows like Shark Tank. And this, this doesn't really happen as, as much lately because like it's the show's been on the air for a million seasons, so people kind of know what the deal is. But when you go back and watch the early seasons of Shark Tank, it would blow my mind how often the sharks would ask a business owner really basic questions. Oh, what's yeah. your cost to acquire a customer? You know, great. Mm -hmm. What's your retention rate? Uh, what's the percentage of people that buy from you again and again? And they would have no idea. No idea. Not even that Not even that they didn't know, but that it never even occurred to them to be tracking those numbers. And the reason is because they didn't want to know because it was scary to know. But you, part of being an entrepreneur, part of being a business owner is you got to take a, you got to take a real honest look at what's going on. And so this is the part of the process that can be difficult. But what I want to invite you to do is not dwell there. So this is a big distinction, guys. What we tell our clients is just to, we call it touching the problem. Just touch the problem. And what I mean by that is you've, you've, you, you see there's a problem, you take responsibility for it, and you just touch it long enough to figure out what needs to change. You don't dwell there because the longer you spend, oh God, thinking about this problem, talking about this problem, now you're, you're having a conversation about it, your whole team's having a conversation about it, you know, you're looking at the data, you just start to feel worse and worse and worse and worse. So you don't spend a lot of time there. You just look at it and touch the problem and figure out what's not working and then immediately shift your focus back to what it is that you want. Yeah. Yeah. So once you touch the problem enough to learn what there is to learn from it, right? Like, what do I need to learn from this? How did this happen? Is there a way I can mitigate this from happening next time? So you're touching the problem you can give yourself a minute of a freak out, maybe, depending on what it is. Oh, yeah. No, you let yourself freak out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but don't stay there. That's the thing. Don't like, stay so there. when we used to have problems come up at COD, right? We would, we would, at least me personally, I would be paralyzed by those problems for like a good couple days where I would just be freaking out, going, oh my God, this isn't working. This isn't, this isn't happening. Oh my God. Da, da, da. And, I, and I would spend so much time just trying to figure out what I could do to fix things that I would just be freaking out about it the whole time. Does that make sense? But now what we do is we spend maybe five or 10 minutes dissecting the problem until we can figure out what's not working. And sometimes it takes longer than that. But really, if you're intentional about that conversation, you can figure out what's not working pretty fast. And then once you know, boom, immediately shift your focus back to what you're going to do to fix it. Because that feels good. That's the part that makes you feel good. That's the part where you can get resourceful and excited. Okay, great. What's victory look like? How are we going to get there? Then that is something that's empowering. Whereas when you're asking yourself, what's not working, what's not working, it tends to just feel worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also love that once we come up with what is our outcome, what is the solution that oftentimes we look at, 
then what's the process if there is one to put in place so this doesn't happen again? You know, like what, what do we need to do? And so that's where a challenge turns into a good thing, which is, you know, no, it's a kind of a weird to say like this challenge becomes something great and it can sometimes in your business. Like if you have a challenge and that opens up a whole new uh, way of doing business or even a whole new process for something little, but then you don't ever have to deal with those challenges again, that serves you. That's right. So when you figure out what needs to change and you figure out what the solution is, you want to document it and then put that into your processes so that you never make the same mistake twice. So this is a big thing that we've gotten really good at. And actually, Jane's been a huge contributor to is that when we run into a problem and we figure out how to solve it, we bake that into our processes so that we don't keep making the same mistake over and over again. But we document that. So now if 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 there's a problem that we know we run into over and over and over again, we have the solution and we have it documented. And the mm-hmm. value of that is let's say somebody on our team quits or let's say somebody on our team leaves and we have to replace that person. Now we can hand the new person the solution to that problem in advance because we've already mapped it out and we don't have to waste time fixing the same problems again and again and again. Right. And if you're a business that's growing rapidly, you're making decisions all day long. You're like sometimes solving problems all day long, even if it's tiny problems. I'm not talking about big problems with, you know, your Facebook account getting shut down, but you're just making decisions and moving all day long. And once you document something, it's like you don't have to have that hold your headspace. You know, I I love having, we have someone on our team named Vanessa and she's so amazing because I'll make a decision about something, whether it's a policy or we solve a problem and give it to her and she documents it. And now it's like, I never have to make that decision again because then I'll go to Vanessa and say, would we decide about that if that came up again? She's like, oh, it's right here. And she has everything. So it also like shortcuts so much out of your brain space and things that you have to keep track of if you document it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk through something with you because I've been thinking Mm -hmm. a lot about dealing with like dealing with chaos and and the right way to deal with it. Um, It seems to me because I was thinking about this the other day, because I was thinking about these guys, these guys like Jocko Willink, right? These guys that are, these guys that are, that are, that, that are, they're out there and they're, they're running toward the chaos. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm looking at that and I'm looking at how these guys function. And I just thought it was really interesting. So, and so I want to hear what you think about this. I was thinking that, that people, there, there tends to be kind of like five kinds of people in terms of how they deal with chaos. Okay. Okay. And the first type is, I would say, like 99% of the population where they just avoid it at all costs. And when I say chaos, I mean, you know, fear, uncertainty, problems, that kind of thing. So I'd say like 99% of the population probably is just built where it's like they just want to have a safe, little, comfortable life. They want to have their job. They don't want to deal with a lot of big, big, big challenges. They don't want to deal with fear. And so they'll spend a lot of time doing everything they can to just like minimize the amount of chaos in their life. But the trade off there is that they end up playing it safe. And that they have these dreams and they have these ambitions that they don't go for. And, and I would say that's like the vast majority of the population, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you've got your people that set big goals and they understand that as part of setting big goals, they're going to have to deal with those big challenges, but they still do everything they can to kind of, kind of minimize that uncertainty in their life where they're not comfortable with it. So I feel like I've, I spent a lot of time there where you know, I, I, I want to keep moving forward. I'm, I'm willing to take big risks. I'm willing to do what it takes, but 
but my attitude toward problems and chaos and uncertainty is that I still would rather avoid it, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then you've got these guys, these guys that are like your Navy SEALs, you know, your Jocko Willinks. These guys are actively going after the kid. They're (laughs) seeking it out. And that's the thing that blows my mind where you've got these people where just something in the way that they're built, if they hear gunshots, they're not sitting there going, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to stay out of that. They're actually running toward it and they're seeking it out. And these people, it's almost like they they accept that, th- that there's going to be uncertainty, there's going to be chaos, but rather than rather than do what they can to avoid it, they're actually going out there and seeking it out for whatever reason. Then I feel like you've got this other group of people. So maybe there's only five, five, four groups of people, not five. But then I feel like there's there's even one level kind of beyond that where you've got people that are actively creating chaos because they know that they can deal with it and most other people can't. So when I think about that, I think about guys like um, you might say like Muhammad Ali, right? Just going out there and stirring up so much stuff and talking so much smack. And, and riling everybody up and creating all this crazy chaotic energy that his his opponents just didn't know how to deal with it. And so they were beaten before they even got in the ring. Um, mm-hmm. I, I see Donald Trump doing this where like, you, you know, you can't deny that there's so much going on and he's tweeting and he's saying this and he's saying that and this is happening and that's happening. And it's just like he's keeping everyone else so off balance that everyone's kind of just like, what the hell is going on? But 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 if you look back. He's done that through his entire business career as well. And like that's what Art of the Deal is about. And I think that book was written in like 1981 or something. So this has been his game plan for a really, really long time where, where you've got these people that are so comfortable with chaos and uncertainty that they actually deliberately try to create it because they know that most people aren't equipped to handle it and they are. So the more chaos and uncertainty that's going on, the, the more it favors them because they just know that most people aren't comfortable dealing with it. And so I've been thinking about this a lot lately because it seems to me that like when I look at myself psychologically, you know me, I'm really, really comfortable with risk, but there's something inside of me where it's like, if I don't have to deal with any BS, I don't want to deal with it. And I just wonder as a business owner, if it isn't healthier to have more of that attitude where you are actively seeking out the chaos and seeking out the uncertainty. And I think about guys like how, how, um, you know, Richard Branson is always like putting himself in a hot air balloon and trying to like launch himself into the, the volcano. And like, you know, like he's constantly doing all this stuff where, wherever it's, where it's like, dude, you're just risking your life again and again and again. But why are these why are these dudes built that way? Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say that they have this couple of things, a strong human need, right? They're meeting their identity, they're meeting their needs, but by having that uncertainty by having that adrenaline by having that variety you know like that's a big part of you know you talk about trump like that's his identity right like he is a risk taker and the more that that becomes about who you are and he's stirring something up it meets his needs he meets his need for like he's he gets a lot of um attention for that, you know, whether it's good or bad, he's still getting a lot of attention for being someone who will, can go out there and stir something up. And now it's really a part of your identity at that point. So um, I think it's all all in a lot about what you about what you value. Um, and it can go both ways. Like you can want to stir a bunch of stuff up because 
it's meeting your own needs or you feel like by stirring something up, it's going to achieve something. Right. Well, you would see where if you're the kind of person that isn't comfortable with uncertainty and you're going up against somebody that loves uncertainty, you're going to be at a massive disadvantage because right. because when you're I don't, I don't care if it's like a, you know, if it's a fight like, like Muhammad Ali, a boxing match or if it's a mm -hmm. MMA fight like you see Conor McGregor. Another perfect example. I don't know if you follow UFC, but he's he's one of those guys that just stir like he's just talking smack all the time and he's stirring up all this attention and all this craziness and 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 you know where you're if you're in a situation where chaos is extremely likely that if you're not comfortable living there, if you don't own that, if that's not part of your identity, you, you are have gonna, to embrace it. Right. You're gonna well, you're gonna be at a big disadvantage if you're going mm -hmm. up against someone that's like, that's where I live. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's and it, and it really is making me think because there are certain people that have have have, like you said, built this into their identity where it, it goes beyond just being comfortable with risk. It's mm -hmm. it's like when everything is just nuts, that's where I thrive. That's where I come alive. When when everything mm -hmm. is chaos and everything is uncertainty and everyone is out to get everybody and it's just this incredibly insane situation, you know, like probably is the way it is in Washington most of the time. You're just someone that like, this is what I live for this. This is my thing, yeah. you know, and it, yeah. and it just it's, it's really interesting to me because there are some people that 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 just seem to be built in such a way that that they thrive in that in that in that environment. And it's but, but I think the danger there is that if you're one of those people and it is smooth sailing and things are pretty cool and pretty chill, you can't help yourself from going out there and stirring up the pot. And creating even, it. Even, right. You create you get addicted to it. And so you create it even when maybe you shouldn't. Right. It's like that ad adrenaline junkie or something, right? Yeah, like exactly. You just yeah. Crave that really strong emotional state change. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Where you you get hooked on it and, and you mm -hmm. just get you get so addicted to sort of playing the game that you it's not you, you stop to you stop taking a step back and saying, OK, well, what the hell am I am I, am I trying to get here? You right. Know, are you craving just that emotional state or are you actually craving the the solution? Really, or are you or or you are you focusing on the outcome of where you want to go, or are you just kind of looking for that big spike in that in that energy or um, living into your identity? I think that there's a there's a there can be a big consequence to that. Well, it's I mean, it's just and and you see it, you know, mm -hmm. you see it, you see how often do you see really powerful people getting involved in some stuff that they shouldn't get involved in, you know, like mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, I mean, I can't even, there's so many examples, like I can't even think of one, but it's like how many people have like, um, you know, done some sexual harassment thing and destroyed their entire mm -hmm. company or said something they shouldn't have said or made a deal they shouldn't have done where I really feel like it's very difficult to be one of those people that, that kind of thrives on chaos that also doesn't have this element of, of self-sabotage to it where mm -hmm. you get so hooked on it that, you end up making stupid decisions because you're addicted to that adrenaline rush. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's a really, I mean, it's a really interesting thing to think about because in, in many ways you can, it's easy to envy some people like that because it, it just, they're creating such an insane whirlwind around them that it's like, it's, it's fascinating. And, and, and what they're doing is they're making everyone else react to whatever they're doing. So like right. they're the they become you become the elephant in the room. You become like this thing that's creating so much chaos and so much insanity that I can't play in that space without taking you into consideration. 
you know, and mm-hmm. go, what's he doing today? What's going on? Blah, 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 you know? And it's a really interesting thing to, to, to think about that, that there are some people that are built that way, but then there's also a big, big price that comes along with that, that once you turn that on, it's probably really tough to shut it off. Yeah. It's interesting because you're, when you're looking at it, you know, like in, in a really big game, like, you know, that Donald Trump is playing, let's just say, but also look at it on a smaller scale. Like if you have somebody on your team that always seems to have some kind of chaos or drama right. around them, right? So it that really becomes self-sabotaging as well because then it, it, you have all that drama without a lot of good result. Right, because right. it consumes so much energy. I mean, like, so mm-hmm. we're doing this whole show about dealing with problems. And I think in the beginning of the show, I talked about, well, look, this is about dealing with the problems that are just inevitable in the course of, of what's, you know, in the course of just doing business in the course of living your life, you're going to run into challenges. So how do you deal with it, especially if you're setting big goals? But the issue then becomes, okay, well, then what if you have one of those people on your team that's just constantly creating drama where it's like, these are a bunch of problems that we don't have to deal with. These are a bunch of problems that are totally unnecessary for us to deal with. And then they keep coming up you know, you have to look at, okay, well, when you have someone that is like that, where there's just there's constant drama and chaos in their life, it's like, you got enough stuff to deal with. Do you really want somebody like that on your team? Right. You know? Right. Probably not. No. So it's just interesting to think about if if you've got somebody. So I guess the right place to be is you want to be someone that is in this place where when there's problems happening, when there's chaos happening, when there's when there's challenges coming up and there's this massive uncertainty, you love it. You're like, cool, I got this. I can deal with this. This is where I live. But you're not addicted to it to the point where when that isn't going on, you can't just chill when everything is when everything is you know, when everything is going well, when you're gonna go out and create your own problem. Like if there's no problems going on, yeah. cool. I'm gonna go make some. That's not good. Yeah. No, I, I love that because I think a big part of even my identity is like, I solve problems. Like right. that's what I do. You know, even being a coach, like, you know, for practically my whole life, it's, you know, I thrive. I, I love the part of me that I say that I'm, I'm resourceful, that I can figure anything out that, you know, I can solve any problem. All I need to know is what is the outcome and I can get us there. And, and I think that if you can come up with an identity for yourself where you you can thrive in that kind of environment that you go, okay, there's a problem. You know, what do I, what's my outcome? Who do I need to be right now? Where do I need to focus? Where do I get my resourcefulness? How do I focus on where it is that I want to go? That's going to serve you. So you have to create an identity around yourself on how you deal with problems and step into that in a really powerful way that feels good and congruent with your values. And that will serve you. But if it's coming from a place of like, I just like to create the problem in order to meet my needs for importance or um, to actually sometimes people create problems too to avoid having to be responsible, which is a whole other conversation. But, yeah, we should, do, um, we should do a show about that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that if, if what people walked away from today is this sense of having um, understanding that you don't want to dwell in that problem. You know, I love what you said. You want to touch the problem. You want to see what is there to learn from from this. Where do I want to go? And shifting in, in, into a resourceful emotional state so that you can deal with the problem, keep your eye on where you want to go, and then create systems to mitigate that from ever happening again, you'd be in really good shape. Yeah, if you just did that, you would be in really good shape. And um, let's see, Christy asked a question in the comments. She said, I think the interesting question is how to walk toward chaos 
when you feel like you're a person in, in category two, right? So those are the people that that are going to set big goals. They understand that that setting big goals means big challenges, but ultimately you're like not, you don't enjoy the chaos. So all I could say to that, Christy, because this is something I'm working on personally myself, is that every challenge that we've ever run into has resulted in a massive benefit once we have solved it. So the mm. way that I look at this is a really healthy belief. There's two healthy beliefs that I've developed that I want to share with you guys really quick before we, before we go. Um, the first belief is that, you know, there are no problems. There are only opportunities. So there's no problems. There's no challenges. There's only opportunities to improve. And when you can identify what that opportunity is, it, you can, you, you know, that shorts, shortcuts, you're having to figure out this massive problem because you're like, hey, what's the opportunity here? And then boom, you capitalize on it and you're, and you're good. The second belief is that this belief that I'm rich because I solve problems that seem impossible to normal people. And I believe that's true for you. And I believe that's true for everybody who's a business owner who's listening to this right now is that whatever business you're in, whatever it is, whether you're an attorney or an accountant or a coach or consultant or whatever, people are coming to you to solve problems that they can't solve. And the bigger problems you're willing to solve and the bigger problems you're willing to fix and take on, the, the, the wealthier and the more successful you're going to be. So that is why we get paid. That is why wealth flows to us is because we solve problems that seem impossible to normal people. And so even if you're someone that doesn't really like a lot of uncertainty, even if you're someone that doesn't like a lot of challenges, if you can sort of reframe these problems and challenges as not really being problems at all, they're just opportunities to figure things out. And if you can get curious, which Jane talks about a lot, and say, you know, get curious and say, okay, well, cool, this is a problem. This, this looks like this big devastating thing. But within that, there's the seeds of an opportunity. Okay, so how can I get curious and figure out what that opportunity is so that I can get just a little bit better so I can keep moving forward so I can get closer to the outcomes that I want? The more you can adopt that mindset, the more powerful that you're going to be in everything that you do. And so now granted, look, it's tough to do that in the moment. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not some like robot where like when a problem comes up, I'm, I don't sit there and have like my oh God moment. You know, of course you do. But as fast as you can, when those problems happen, you, know, you give yourself a minute or two to freak out, like Jane said, but then switch gears into being a detective and figuring out, all right, all right, cool. This thing happened. Yes, it looks like the end of the world. Yes, it looks like, you know, things are terrible. All right. Within that, let's see if we can find an opportunity and figure out something we can solve. And I'm being overly dramatic, guys, because most of the time when you have a problem, it definitely isn't anything like the end of the world. It's just you, you make it feel that way. So it's like, all right, fine. There's this big challenge. Here's an opportunity. So what's the opportunity there? And then you just remind yourself, hey, this is why I get paid. I'm rich because I solve problems like this. All right, cool. I'm Let's good solve at this. this next one. The other thing is just having some really great identity beliefs, like we talked about early, that yes. you're good at this. So if you start creating an identity for yourself that you know, you're really good at solving problems, like this is just what I do. Like I'm really good at solving a problem. Give it to me. I'll figure it out you can walk in that uncertainty a little bit easier because now every time you solve a problem, if you take a look at it and you go, what was great about what I did? What was great about how I solved that problem? What does it mean about me that I'm able to easily solve problems? And you're starting to grow who you are and expand who you are so that later on, it's like, it just becomes more and more of who you are. 
you know, when you have a kid, like all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you have a child, it's like, I am dad now. I am mom now. <laughs> it's like you're stepping into, you're now this person that you weren't, you know, five minutes ago before the baby is born. And in taking on that identity as I am mom, there's like a whole new world of who you are. And then as you do that, you expand what kind of mom you are and how you solve problems and what kind of things that you do. And it expands and expands and expands. And I think it's the same thing with whatever it is that you're trying on. Like I am a good problem solver. It becomes part of your identity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then one of the one of the best ways to reinforce that is to take that identity and run with it and actually go solve some problems. And then what you'll have is you'll have this whole body of work that you can look on where it's like, oh yeah, I remember when that thing came up, we crushed that. Then this came up, we crushed that. And we've, we've, we've crushed all these problems. Why would this be the one problem we can't solve? And you get to this point where you're just like, it just becomes a part of who you are. You know, these mm -hmm. guys, like I was talking about, you know, these guys, Jocko Willink, these Navy SEAL type type dudes, like, the reason they seek out these challenges is because they're ready for them and because they believe that they're going to win. They wouldn't mm -hmm. seek these challenges out if they thought they were going to lose. No way. Right. They, they, they do the work so that they can be ready. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's this, there's this quote by Sun Tzu in the Art of War that says, um, don't count on the enemy not coming after you. Count on being ready when the enemy does. Mm. And it's, that's the only healthy way that you can look at it because the honest truth is you don't, and, and that, you know, obviously we're not at war, but you, you look at, pro, it's the same thing with problems. Don't count on problems not happening. Just count on being ready and being able to deal with them when they do. And so yep. Jane, I think that goes perfectly into what you're talking about, where you have this identity where even if there's nothing going on, even if there's no big problems you're dealing with right now at this moment, you know that you are the type of person that you can solve these problems and solve these challenges again and again and again. That's right. Yep. And so guys, look, one of the biggest shortcuts you can you can have to solving problems is to work with mentors that like solve these problems all the time. So whatever problems you're struggling with in your business, maybe you're not getting enough leads, maybe you're not getting enough clients, maybe you're working too hard, maybe you have no idea how to do a webinar, maybe you have no idea how to do Facebook ads, maybe you're looking at your competitors going like, oh my God, these people are making so much money and I have no idea how they're doing it. Whatever you're struggling with, I can pretty much guarantee you that we've seen it before and we know how to solve it. So think for a second, what are those problems you're dealing with right now? What's that big problem in your business that if that just, if you could just snap your fingers and make that go away, it would unlock everything else so that you could have an incredible next 12 months. So mm. when you know what that problem is, I want you to go to clientsondemand.com forward slash call and book a call to speak to us because whatever that problem is, I can pretty much damn well guarantee you we've seen it and we've solved it not just in our business, but in our clients' businesses too. Like whatever it might be, I can almost promise you, unless it's something really, really weird, that it's something <laughs> we've seen and we've dealt with over and over and over again. So fixing this problem right now might seem like this big, incredible challenge to you and you don't know how to do it. But for us, it's just another day at the office. Yeah. So go to clientsondemand.com forward slash call, book a call to speak to us and this is exactly what we'll talk about. We'll ask you these questions. What is the biggest challenge you're dealing with? And you can tell us. Then we can put our heads together and come up with a step-by-step -step game plan to overcome it so you can be free from this and move forward toward creating the life and the business that you want. So go to clientsondemand.com forward slash call. Book an appointment to speak to us. We would love to talk to you. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us on this show. JJ, thank you so much for your insight and your wisdom. Brilliant as always. And thank you all who left comments. 
Guys, if you are listening to this on iTunes and you want to check us out on Facebook, go to Facebook and search for a Facebook group called The Art of High Ticket Selling. That's The Art of High Ticket Selling. That's our free Facebook group. I think we have about 35,000 or something entrepreneurs in there just like you who are running kick-ass businesses. It's an incredible resource. And if you're watching us on Facebook, but you want to check this out on iTunes so you can listen to this in your car, um, and we're also on Spotify, then go ahead and search for the Clients on Demand podcast on, on iTunes or on Spotify. We'd love to see you there as well. All right, superstars, everybody have a great few days and we'll catch you on the next show. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with Clients On Demand, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to clientsondemand.com forward slash call. That's clientsondemand.com forward slash call and book an appointment to speak to our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, the exact price you should be charging. Number two, the exact target audience you should be going after. And number three, the exact strategy you should be using to reach them. Remember, scaling your coaching or service business does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. Now, we've helped clients all over the world scale their businesses to six and seven figures while enjoying life and making the world a better place along the way. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to clientsondemand.com forward slash call. I'm Russ Rafino, and let's talk soon.